in-office studios of his eye care practices in Nashville, Tennessee. It's As I See It with Dr. Jeff Kegaris, your source for eye care education and receiving the type of patient relationship you deserve. It is time for a patient revolution. And now, your host, Dr. Jeff Kegaris. Welcome again to As I See It. Macular degeneration is the topic today. Macular degeneration is the leading cause of loss of vision and blindness in the United States. Can you believe that? In fact, for those of us at or approaching 60, it's the biggest threat to our vision in the rest of our lives. Yes, we will all get cataracts, yet yet fortunately, fortunately, (laughs) with surgery, that loss of vision is reversible. Macular degeneration, however, affects the photoreceptors, rods and cones, for those of you that remember high school biology or your college anatomy, when those are disrupted, we do not have a way to rewire them and give vision back. It's essential, therefore, that we're monitoring for any changes at the macula and that we best understand an individual patient's risk factors. Today, I've asked Paige Pantall, our macular degeneration clinical health coordinator and a person well-versed in the macular genetics, to discuss with me genetic testing and macular degeneration. Paige, welcome to As I See It. Thanks for sharing your time and expertise. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the basics. What's the difference between the macula and the retina? Okay, so the macula. Let's start with the retina. The retina, for everybody in layman's terms, is kind of like the film in the camera. It's that layer on the back of the eye that's sensitive to light and sends all those good impulses through our optic nerve out to our brain to give us an image. All right, so our macula is part of that retina. It's the central portion of the retina that gives us that really good, sharp, crisp, central vision and really good color. So if I lose vision from macular degeneration, I lose that central vision. Is that correct? Or will I go totally blind? You would lose the central vision starting very, very small, and then it will expand out as the disease expands. But no, you won't totally go blind. So what activities, though, do people that have macular degeneration that causes vision loss usually complain about? So macular degeneration, the opposite of glaucoma, so macular degeneration steals your central vision. So pretty much it steals all those things that you're trying to do that you need to look at when you point your nose at something. So somebody who sews, they're not going to be able to see the needle in front of them. If you're talking to somebody and having a conversation, you may, the face may be blurry. If you're driving, it may be the car in front of you that's blurry, but it's whatever is in your line of sight right in the center. So what are the risk factors, the risk factors for developing macular degeneration, especially because we want to decrease all the risks as much as we can, right? All right. So risk factors, there's a couple of different things. You have genetic factors and then you've got environmental factors. The genetic factors we can't do anything about. That's hereditary. That's what you get from your mom and your dad. But those environmental factors, there are some things that we can do. Uh, One of the big things that lead to macular degeneration are smoking. Um, We also know that a higher body mass index is one of the factors. Your age is a factor. Um, UV exposure can be a factor. 
Uh, also, our our ethnicity or our, um, uh, our gender can be a factor. We know women are more affected sometimes than men. We know that Caucasians are more affected than African Americans. So there are a few different things, some things we can control and some things we can't. If one or both of my parents have or had macular degeneration, am I destined to also have it? Not necessarily, but if both parents have it, you are more likely than if only one parent had it. It does, de- it does depend on what you're inheriting from your parents. And I sometimes wonder whether the genetic, fa- or excuse me, not the genetic factor, but the gender factor is that women tend to live longer than men. Is that why maybe the prevalence is higher or is there something with regard to different hormones, et cetera, that make women a little more prone to macular degeneration? I don't think we really know, do we? I don't think we know at this time. We just tend to see that. So both of those are really good reasons that they're probably looking at. So environmental and genetics. So it's important to actually know my own personal genetic history because I'm at higher risk if my parents have had macular degeneration but that doesn't necessarily mean that I inherited genes directly from one or the other. Is that correct? Correct. Um, knowing those the genetic, your genetics and what you've inherited and it being essential, it's more of being able to put together more of a personalized management of the disease if you're going to get it or know that that risk might be there so that you can maybe proactive do some of these things that help with your uh, risk factors. So Paige, I get a lot of questions where people say, hey, my mom has macular degeneration. What do I need to do to prevent it? Is there anything I can do? Can I take something now, et cetera? So lots of questions like that. We need more information though first, right? it, it, It almost prompts us to ask them more questions because we talk first about the environmental things that are adjustable. Correct. Um, If somebody has a family member with macular degeneration, obviously the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about their genetics and I want to actually do a test that we can perform to see what genetics were inherited. Did you get genes from mom or dad that might make you at a higher risk for the disease? So that's called a macula risk test. It's very easy, so helpful, and it's really valuable to us as doctors in helping prevent and correct our patient's vision. So when we come back, we'll take a short break now, and when we come back, I want to talk more about this macular risk test, how it's performed, what results it may give us, and how it's helpful us for us in managing our patient's macular degeneration risk. Doctors Jeff and Susan Kegaris have spent the last 26 years growing both Cool Springs Eye Care and Donaldson Eye Care to the industry-leading optometric practices they are today. Striving to provide the absolute best healthcare experience possible, the Kegarises authored their first book, One Patient at a Time. With eight chapters and 135 lessons, you'll quickly see why One Patient at a Time is currently the number one new healthcare released book on Amazon. Pick up your copy of One Patient at a Time today. Welcome back. We're talking with Paige Pantall, Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care's Clinical Health Coordinator for Macular Degeneration about genetic testing and how it can help us diagnose and treat our patients. Our goal is, of course, to preserve good vision for our patient's entire life. Before we go on, let me make sure we're all on the same page. There are a lot of terms thrown out with regard to macular degeneration, what it is, how to treat it. I usually look for changes at the central part of vision. As Paige described, the central part of our retina is called the macula. 
These early visible signs are either pigment changes or small bumps or deposits. Those deposits we call drusen. Drusen's a real fancy medical term for a small area of trash deposit. It's like the garbage man went on strike in that area and the trash collector can't keep up with the trash being produced. So therefore, we end up with a few bags of trash just left sitting on the curb. Well, you can imagine that those bags of trash left sitting on the curb start to smell. In the back of the eye, they don't smell, but they do start to cause some irritation. Those visible bags of trash, and they're small, are called drusen. Depending upon where the drusen are located, they may or may not be noticeable to patients at all. Yet they can, over time, start to disrupt vision. Drusen changing to disruption is what we call dry macular degeneration. If those dry changes ultimately lead to some fluid building up, then that's called wet macular degeneration. And even though we separate into dry and wet, nearly everyone, and I'm talking 98% or more, has dry before they have wet. And in fact, those patients with wet, which we have very effective medicines that we inject in the eye to dry up the fluid, always also have dry changes that need to be managed. So in summary, macular degeneration, if you have dry, we want to keep you from developing advanced dry changes or getting to wet changes. If you have wet and you're being treated, again, we talk about a shot in the eye about every give or take four weeks, you also have dry and that needs to be managed too. Anything we can do to push back the presence of drusen or pigmentary changes delays the onset of drusen, which delays the onset of dry, which decreases the risk of wet. So our efforts are really aimed at trying to protect as much as possible the macula from developing these small bags of trash we call drusen. So let's get back to talking to Paige. And Paige, we talked about environmental, we talked about genetics. Is most macular degeneration inherited or is it just due to the fact that we live a long time and everything's going to break down? So it's a combination of all three. Genetics do play the majority part of your risk of progression, but then age and the environmental factors are just as important. Smoking really increases the risk to have macular degeneration even more than it increases the risk to have lung cancer, doesn't it? Correct. So let's talk about the macular genetics test. Do you need to take my blood? No, we don't have to take the blood. It's actually a very simple test. It's a simple cheek swab with a little bitty Q-tip and we just swab the inside of the mouth. And then you send that off to a genetics lab. What does the report, which takes about a month to come back, what does that report tell us? So the report's going to give the doctor a lot of really good information. It's going to tell us which genes were inherited, whether they were a low-risk gene or a high-risk gene that puts you at a greater risk of progression. But then it's also going to tell us a 10-year risk factor based on that information, based on the genetics, based on your age, based on the other environmental things. And that's going to be your body mass index, your age, and those, little, those things put together sort of form a a formulary that tell us what a 10-year risk progression looks like for you. So if I'm sitting and I have maybe a, a few drusen and I do my genetic testing, 
then you're going to send it off and it comes back and I will receive based upon all the other factors that my cool springs or Donaldson eye doctor know how what my likelihood is of losing some vision from macular degeneration in the next 10 years correct correct in addition because I hear all kinds of things and it's even confusing for doctors believe it or not um, the commercials from companies that just want to sell medicine will kind of say, oh, you need to take age-related eye disease study two drugs. Everybody needs to be taking those. And in fact, I have people that are right now taking NA Reds 2 with a lot of zinc, and they're 42 years old because they think that it's going to prevent their macular degeneration. And the truth is, there is no evidence that that particular formulation will prevent it. And in fact, sometimes it could make it worse with the higher zinc levels. Is that correct? Is that part of the vitamin analysis? It is. So part of macular risk is also this vitamin analysis. And this is what makes it personalized. As with any disease, uh, throughout history, we start with our, our best information that we have and the best studies that we have. And a lot of times we've always had this one treatment for all. But as we start to learn more about any disease, you find that you can be a little bit more specific, especially with the genetics and involved. So the standard of care has always been these ARIDS 2 vitamins for people who have macular degeneration. But now as we start to learn a little bit more, we have found that there's a very, it's not a large percentage of patients, but a small percentage of patients that have macular degeneration that we now know those ARIDS 2 vitamins can make it actually progress more or increase quicker than actually help us. So knowing that that vitamin analysis and knowing your genetics can actually be more personalized to you and make sure you're not taking something that is not going to be a benefit but in fact could actually hurt you. Now many people are probably thinking back to fruit flies and Mendelian peas from biology. Oh is it autosomal dominant, recessive and all that but you mentioned something interesting Paige. You said which genes, if they're low risk genes or high risk genes. So it's not just one gene, whether you have it or not with macular degeneration, there are multiple genes, is that right? There are, there's about 14 different genes that are part of the formulary for macular degeneration. And some of the two larger ones are inflammatory genes and oxidative genes. That's why we hear a lot about smoking with macular degeneration, because the there's two main genes that can have macular degeneration sort of progress quicker and so that oxidative gene is going to tell us if you're whether you smoke or not and whether that's a good thing but the inflammatory response as well so we know that oxidation and the smoking is one of the strongest things but also the inflammation we're now starting to see things come around of patients that have inflammatory responses like autoimmune ms and ra we start to see links in those but inflammatory responses and oxidative responses are your two biggest genes but there are a total of 14 and they all play a role so some of these genes put us as a may cause a predilection or make us a little more vulnerable to developing this which is exacerbated made worse by some of the environmental factors is that right in other words if i combine and i smoke which i don't but if i did and i smoke plus i have the the uh, oxidative gene risk then that really increases my risk it is does. that kind of what you're saying yeah that's like throwing fuel on the fire 
So when a doctor gets this analysis back and sees which genes are playing a part, then they actually can look at your medical history and the things that are going on with you and the things that you're being treated for and see if we have some, some areas that we need to, be, to look at a little bit closer. And this really takes the Human Genome Project, which was interesting science, fascinating science actually, to individualizing and personalizing eye care, doesn't it? How much does the test cost, Paige? So there are two different tests. Most doctors prefer to use the full panel. Your full panel test is going to tell you the 10-year risk, the vitamin analysis and that list of genes, that list of low, low and high risk genes. Uh, for patients also, they may choose to only go with the supplement test, and that is only gonna give us the vitamin analysis, but there are two. Most would prefer to have the genetic analysis with the vitamin analysis. You know, and I can't think of the last time I ordered only the partial panel because both bits of information are so important to me. So $399 for the entire panel. And then do I have to have that repeated every year? It's a one-time one-time test because your genetics don't change. There you go. So um, I, I just think it is essential for our patients who are concerned or have early, intermediate, or even advanced macular degeneration to have the macular degeneration macular risk test. Uh, I mentioned advanced because some people may be already getting injections and they may say, well, you know, I mean, I'm already getting the shots for my eye. Why do I need to know my genetics? Clearly, I probably am vulnerable. And the answer to that is yes, you're right. But we still remember, we talked about that everybody that has wet also has dry. And what we find in some cases is the longer people are having injections to for the wet, which is important, anti-VEGF injections, it can, in some cases, exacerbate the dry. Does it really make it worse or do we just not pay as much attention to it? We're not sure. So we still want to be managing the dry component. And that means we want to put you on some nutritionals to help any way that we can, because that's the best evidence-based medicine we have, but we need to know your genes and which nutritionals are going to be best. Is it going to be an AREDS2 formulation or are you a zinc only person or are you a no zinc person? It can really make a difference, can't it, Paige? It can. So that's a really good point. So even if it's advanced macular degeneration that you or, or a parent of yours has, you would think maybe it wouldn't be worth doing the genetic test. But in fact, that advanced macular degeneration probably came on in the one eye before we had all of the science. Now, if you go ahead and do the test before the other eye has converted, we can again identify the gene that actually might be what's causing this issue and figure out is there a way to slow it down so that the other eye doesn't follow. Losing vision from macular degeneration is a devastating thing. I've seen it in my family. I've certainly seen it in, in many patients. And this is really a, a proactive thing that we try to do to protect vision. We kind of end up like the first grade teacher. I'll probably be long retired from this profession. And some people won't know how valuable it was with some of the things that we've instituted to try to help. By the way, I'm not retiring, okay? I just want to make that clear. But um, some people may not realize just some of the things that we're doing to try to push off macular degeneration. I always tell my patients, if you get macular degeneration, and I fully believe we all will if we live long enough, 
But if you get macular degeneration at age 130, then you probably didn't have to worry about it in your lifetime, and I feel like I've done my job. There are certain things we can do, certain things we can't do, but in summary, we've talked today about macular degeneration and the helpfulness of knowing what you've inherited. A simple swab of the cheek helps our doctors to do their best to protect against vision loss from macular degeneration. Paige, if people want to set up their macular genetics test, what do they need to do? Who do they call? Who do they email? Call me anytime you want. Obviously, you know our office number is 615-771-7555. You can ask to speak to Paige. They'll transfer you to my phone. If you want to email me directly, it's just Paige, P-A-I-G-E, at coolspringseyecare.com. And I welcome any of your emails. If you are a patient of our Donaldson office, then you will call 615-889-0147. We have these tests that we regularly do in both offices. But again, feel free to email Paige with any additional questions. Paige at coolspringseyecare.com. Thanks again, Paige. We appreciate all you do in the area of macular degeneration and genetic testing and awareness to help our patients receive more than good eye care, a great healthcare experience. Are you frustrated with a typical doctor visit? Name, fill out this form, hey, sit over there, quick flyby visit from the doctor, and of course, the surprising bill? You deserve better. At Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care, your clinical care and experience is our number one priority. Our doctors wrote the book on great care. Come and see the difference. More than good eye care, a great healthcare experience. Call us today or visit us online, coolspringseyecare.com or donaldsoneyecare.com.